Political Rain, my name's Hannah. Each week I sit down with a public servant or member of the community and we talk about who they are and what they do to help the community function. This week I sit down with Public Service Director Jackie O'Connell. I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Jackie O'Connell. I am the Public Services Director and my favorite part of working for Colerain is all of the, uh, the great people I get to work with to help make a difference for the township. What does in a day being director of public service look like? Oh my goodness, it's like um, working in a circus and being the juggler and the ringmaster at the same time. So uh, uh, public services uh, has a variety of departments underneath it. It's mm -hmm. roads, which people are most familiar with. It's also parks, um, which takes care of all of the parks. Recreation, which is responsible for all of the events and the community center. Mm -hmm. And facilities, which is responsible for the, all of the township facility maintenance of the, um, of the main campus and, the, uh, and also the fire station. So it's got a lot of different things going on. So any one day we could be dealing with guest issues, with potholes, with um, uh, contractual issues for the road program to mm -hmm. all of the people that we had in the parks for COVID and trying to manage maintenance and social distancing and things around that. So it's it never looks the same and there's no um, there is no typical day. And if you look at my desk, you can tell there's no typical <laughs> Sounds day. Sounds <laughs> like it. That's a lot of things to juggle. What was your journey like to this position? Um, I've had an interesting journey to this position. I, uh, I've been in Parks and Recreation, so I've worked in the public sector for over 25 years. Mm -hmm. Started at a small community center up in Dayton where I did mostly programming. Um, worked at a couple different full-time agencies doing Parks and Recreation. Uh, came in on the recreation side, but then moved into the operations side. So mm -hmm. my link to Rhodes program here is I was the operations superintendent at Great Parks of Hamilton County for a number of years. Oh, wow. Which was responsible for all the maintenance of the golf courses, the parks, and everything else that went along with all of the, uh, the Great Parks in Hamilton County. So that was with the transition into the operational aspect. And although I love programming because I see the impact, I also love the operational impact because mm -hmm. you can, um, if you're looking at it through the right lens, you're, you're making such a difference and just being able to help employees do things smoother, faster, easier, um, and making people have great experiences. They don't always need to be programmed. They can just come and enjoy the parks mm -hmm. and enjoy the roads that you're putting out without even realizing that, that somebody has intentionally thought about that. Yeah, I think uh, I speak for everyone to say just how many memories I have, maybe not even at a specific program, but at a public space. Right. but. You think of the number of reasons that, so we had a lot of people come out to the parks during COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and I will continue to say that parks are one of the best kept secrets that people have that you, for mental health, for social well-being, for, um, for the environment, you name it. There's all sorts mm -hmm. of studies tied back to the benefits of parks. And I don't think people really, I think a lot of people took parks for granted until this was the only place that they could go. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you saw it in the news, some of the, um, the city parks, some of the national parks, they were just getting inundated with people because people needed that escape. They needed to get out. They mm -hmm. needed, even if they were social distancing, they needed just that connection to nature or to see other people to know they weren't alone. Yeah, just that small sense of normalcy that yes. parks provide. Yes. So and I, th I think you're right. I think everybody has a memory tied to a public space, a park, an outing with a, a friend, a grandparent, a parent. Mm -hmm. uh, and really, that's what, for me, that's what Parks and Recreation is about. It's about making memories. 
So you touched on COVID and how park attendance has just skyrocketed. Was yeah. that true in Coleraine? Yeah, our park attendance has been up uh, over 250% wow. for the past three months. How has COVID affected your position and maybe your take on how you handle things? Um, we have had to be very intentional about how we assign work and how we perform work now. So we still have the same things to do. We still have to fix the roads. Mm-hmm. We still have to clean the streets. We still have to um, uh, clean the parks. But we have to do it differently. So we have to, how we assign trucks in the morning, mm-hmm. who gets in the trucks, how many people are in the trucks, what you're wearing when you're in the trucks, how we, uh, how we clean, when we clean, how often we clean. And then all of our shelter rentals were completely blown up because we couldn't reserve any shelters due to social distancing and the um, 10 person gathering rule. Mm-hmm. However, people still wanted to gather, and we couldn't, we didn't have the mechanism to stop them from gathering. So we would have people coming and having family parties in the parks, which creates the unique dichotomy of, you know, we want people to be together, but we don't want them to be that together. (laughs) And then you have other people who are walking in the parks and see this. So the balance of, you know, how do we maintain that? And, And unfortunately, we had to make the decision because we were getting. Um, we were getting several complaints from the health department about people improperly using the parks Mm -hmm. and not social distancing and the parks were we couldn't keep up with the maintenance on them because there were so many people in the parks that the the trash created (laughs) was just overwhelming Uh, so we had to make the unfortunate decision to take out the um, remove the the tables from the shelters oh wow Uh, so that we would encourage social distancing and encourage people not to gather we had to keep the restrooms closed which you know, anybody who visits a park, especially if you have a small child, you rely on the restrooms. And unfortunately, that was something that we couldn't do because because of COVID. So, yeah, I think it COVID has only changed. It hasn't changed parks and their relationship with us, but how we use them has yes. really changed. Yeah. And, you know, we had to we have uh, events at the community center. So mm-hmm. our senior center hasn't been together. They haven't been up there since mid-March. <sighs> So you know, trying to work with the Y who manages our programs on how we were going to feed the seniors, mm-hmm. the seniors that require social interaction, the seniors that rely on us for meals because they weren't going to be able to get out. Getting to the grocery store was problematic because the grocery stores were so crowded and out of things. So how were we going to get meals and um, pivot our meal program, the, the Council on Aging's meal program, mm-hmm. so that we make sure that people in our community are getting fed and have the resources they need and they're getting the social interaction they need Mm -hmm. you know so that was a big one and unfortunately we had to cancel a lot of weddings and parties that were scheduled over there and you know people understood and they get it but it's heartbreaking you know for staff to tell a bride that I'm sorry we can't host your wedding especially because I'm sure is a highlight of your job is getting to in an indirect way take part in all these joyous celebrations and then having to to stop. I can only imagine being a bride at this time and the stress. Yeah, so unfortunately, Tuana in our office had to make those those gut-wrenching calls of canceling because we had a lot of shelter rentals we had to cancel too. So mm-hmm. shelter rentals, events, and, you know, people look forward to those things. They weren't just something people threw together. They had been making plans for those things for maybe for a year or two. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then in the span of a couple of months, everything. Yeah, and it was changing. Everybody, you know, every, most everybody probably knows things were changing daily for us. Mm-hmm. So how we how we were reacting to things, and um, you know what our work was like, and then hey, now everybody's got to check in and get your temperature taken, but you got a space and lots of things. How have you started transitioning these programs that were pre-existing? I know I saw on the website 
your summer camp has you've come up with some interesting uh, socially distant alternatives yeah so when the governor came out with the guidance for summer camps and how they could operate it, our summer camp is a free summer camp and there was no feasible way and it's done mainly outdoors too so there was no feasible way for us to follow the guidelines and give the kids a good camp experience um, it was going to be too restrictive and too consuming so uh, we decided to take lemons and make lemonade so mm -hmm. we had to cancel the camp program but decided to uh, look at different ways to do programming and do outreach so it started with before summer camp was even canceled it started with the cabin fever relievers that Tawana does from the office mm -hmm. um, and giving people just another outlets find something to do you know kids were at home people were getting easily bored mm -hmm. and then we decided to take the summer camp staff and have them do non-traditional programming wow. and I say non-traditional programming because it's non-traditional for Coleraine mm -hmm. but doing activities with people and doing outreach with people that is what recreation is that is that is helping you build community that is making relationships and connections with your residents so having them do programming they are they are a community outreach arm they are they are providing smiles and memories for people and giving people a little sense of um, I don't want to say normalcy but a little sense of you know something fun or hope mm -hmm. or hey you know we just can still do things yeah just a break from everything and the constant yes yeah so last year last week we had a bucket ball challenge where we had families sign up and we did um, they played games of bucket ball mm -hmm. so the camp counselors went and they brought supplies to people they did bucket ball challenges they had they played games with it gave awards for it that sounds amazing. And then can you talk about some of the other daily things? I think you have Thrifty Tuesday, Where Am I Wednesday, Turn Up Thursday, and Fun Friday. Can you talk about where can you find those? So if you go to our website and you look under um, Parks and Recreation and Programming, you'll find access to all of those. And Tawana in our office is responsible with the camp staff for programming those areas and just giving people another thing to do, an idea, some mm -hmm. information, just to keep them uh, engaged with what we're doing in the township. Awesome. I don't know if you know this, but I worked in Parks and Recreation across town for six years now. Where at? In Sharonville. And my really? mom worked there. So we are a, we're a two-generation Parks and Recreation family. Nice. Who'd you yeah. work for? Uh, I worked for Michael Blomer. I know Michael. Uh, love Michael. He was a great boss. But... I, I don't know, I just loved working for Parks and Rec. I almost changed my major to Parks did and Recreation really? my sophomore <laughs> year because I was like, I miss, like, I, I want to do this full time. What did you do for them? So I lifeguarded, okay. I worked their special events, and then in Columbus, I camp council. Wow, so you're the, a Parks and Rec kid too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, yeah, so no wonder you have a lot of Parks and Rec memories. <laughs> yeah, exactly, either as a kid or the one running it. But it's brought me so much joy over the years. I worked in Springdale at a community center for about 11 years at the community center. The, I'm the very familiar department. with the Springdale community. Yeah. Lots of uh, basketball games. And lots of basketball. Lots of youth sports, special events. But we had, um, being there 10 years, you get to see people kind of grow up through your programs. And now I was sitting across from somebody at a dinner the other day, and he looked really familiar and I found out he was one of the kids that was in the program and now he's got a full-time job and you know he's a supervisor somewhere so it is crazy I had so I taught swim lessons for five years I had kids who were like in the mommy and me classes when I started or even just like in elementary school who I guess the mommy and me this isn't true but someone I had later on in life is now working as a lifeguard and it was definitely a moment for me where I was like oh my yeah. god have I 
did I really do that? Like, one of my sons, one of my son's swim instructors, their little sister ended up being his sixth grade teacher. Wow. Yeah, (laughs) it is. And all the people you get to know, it's just so much. Just getting this, like, spread that joy and that sense of community. Exactly. Because that's how, I mean, that's how I got to know everywhere, everyone where I, either youth sports, just hanging out at parks. But So can you talk about maybe the impact that Parks and Recreation has on building that sense of community? Um, I think, I read a great article several years ago, and it was was titled, Don't, uh, Don't Cut the Fireworks Budget. Mm-hmm. This was when all municipalities, townships especially, were getting cut with local government fund cutting, uh, budgets cuts at the state level. And the point in this article was something that really resonated with me. Don't cut the fireworks budget because people look forward to fireworks. People look forward to getting together and celebrating something as a community. So mm-hmm. think about it. You go to a community event, you see people you haven't seen in a while, you see your neighbors, you chat, you have that just sense of camaraderie, that sense of togetherness, that sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. And that just strengthens your community. So now you know more people. Now you might go to more things. You might have a sense of community pride to help out, to volunteer, uh, you know, to engage a little more in your community. So, you know, it's funny, not funny, that we had to cancel fireworks this year because of the social, the social mm-hmm. distancing. But there was no safe way that we felt that we could do it without encouraging people to socially distance. But it's one of the things that we're looking forward to getting started back up is yeah. special events. Because you see people. You know people. You you know, that really is where your connection with the community is. Like I said, mm-hmm. usually you, it's you're engaging with police, fire, zoning, et cetera, because you mm-hmm. have to. You're engaging with us because you want to. So, I think just going back to having to cancel the fireworks, I think now more than ever we're learning that lesson because so many things had to get canceled that it's finally registering that like, oh, these were these amazing life events that I just took for granted. Yeah, I think people took a lot of things from get, for mm-hmm. granted. You know, going to the grocery store, people took for granted. Buying toilet paper, people took for uh, granted. <laughs> yeah, it's not stressing about toilet paper or Clorox wipes. Right, or flour. Who knew flour was such a hot commodity? Who knew yeast would yes. be? Me and my roommates are all big bakers. And it was like, we were like, oh, people are on to us. Now we can't even get yeast. Did what you do we... sourdough bread over this? We, we did. We've, okay. we've been experimenting with different bread types, but I... I don't want to take any credit. It's mostly my roommates, and I like to sit there and narrate what they do nice. and then eat it. But, yeah. So, yeah, I think a lot of people are taking a lot of things, the things that they took for granted, they're now realizing. Mm-hmm. And um, they're also noticing a lot more, too, because I'll tell you from the public serve, from the roads end of things, we're getting a lot more calls about the dead tree that they're seeing in their right of way that they would like removed, the pothole that's been bothering them probably for six months, mm-hmm. but they're now just calling in because they've got a lot more time to think about it. Yeah, you have a <laughs> lot of time to stew. That's what I learned about uh, quarantine. It's really you versus your own brain. This is how I describe <laughs> my experience. But. Yes, so we tell people, you know, we would be happy to go out there and fix it. We we didn't know it was a problem. So mm-hmm. tell us, we'll be happy to, to uh, address it or figure out how to address it. And uh, yeah, so. I get that. Have you seen the video of the, there's a woman and she has the bullhorn and she's oh yelling she and she can't wait. Up. I think of that video every day about. Yes. I think that is a, that is a great way to sum up how I am feeling about quarantine. Me and too. And I love her little spunky attitude. Exactly. <laughs> I think she, she's a representative of how the, the general consensus of it. That would be a great bit for the township to do. Exactly. Right? Who can make the best video 
of them like yelling something out about how they feel about quarantine. Oh my gosh, I am totally writing that down because that is a great camp um, or summer uh, Parks and Rec staff. We can up it. Whoever wins can come on the podcast. Oh and my we gosh, will talk about I love it. That, that is their. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, what is the best part of your job? Uh, the best part of my job is. Um, I'm going to go back to what I said before. It is the variety of things that I get to do with the people I get to work with mm-hmm. to make a difference. And we are making differences. My team is making differences. And people don't even realize the differences we're making. People realize mm-hmm. when things aren't done, right? Like you realize when you've got a pothole and you're yeah. upset about it. Um, but, you know, being able to fix things for people, to program things that people want to go to, to create those memories, to create those good experiences, mm-hmm. whether it's just driving down the road, you know, paving your street, uh, plowing your snow. You know, people pigeonhole us into, oh, you're, you're the people that plow snow. We plow some snow. In mm-hmm. some years we plow a lot of snow, but we do so many other things besides snow. We maintain, um, you know, we take down the trees in the right-of-way when they're dead mm-hmm. dangerous. We um, manage all of the signs on, the, on our um, township roads and streets. Um, we clean the streets. We fix catch basins. We do mm-hmm. a lot of things, and people put us into two buckets, snow plows and potholes. Mm-hmm. So what they can see most directly. Do you have a early memory or experience that really inspired you to go into this line of work? Um, I've always loved the outdoors. I grew up in a very small town. We had less than 300 people in my town. We were not mm-hmm. incorporated. And then we moved to my family farm, the farm that my grandfather was raised on okay and so grew up in the country and you were always outside there was there was no question you were outside and this Mm -hmm. is you know long before days of handheld video games and things but I grew up you know going through you know making my own trails and you know just being outside so um and I loved sports so Mm -hmm. really in college I went in undeclared and then I was looking for a major and that's still the days when you had that I'm dating myself you had the big catalog of majors and courses and everything Mm -hmm. I was flipping through the book and I was like sport management I like sports I like managing sure (laughs) (laughs) um and then I so I started out I took a I really liked event management like large-scale events loved Mm -hmm. that worked in that field for a while in college but I also worked at a small community center and I had a, I had a teacher. I was a recreation minor and a journalism minor. And I had a uh, professor who was in recreation and was really about the sense of community recreation built. And I just drank yeah. every, you know, whatever she was serving, I was scooping up. So, uh, my first job at the community center was teaching indoor soccer to three-year-olds. Ooh. I and it was on like a multi-purpose type of floor and. What, what most people would call a studio, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I had never played soccer. I wasn't exposed to soccer because soccer wasn't where I grew up. There was no soccer. Um, so I had to learn soccer and I had to teach three year olds. So if you can imagine, I think there were 10 to 14 three year olds oh, wow. at a time. I can only imagine the, the focus level. None. We had kickers, stoppers, and um, I can't remember what I called the the box but it was something about the goo like they couldn't they they were stuck there Mm -hmm. so yeah I I spent most of my time and it was probably there was probably eight different teams in this league so I spent you know probably a good four hours on um, my weekends 
doing this. Managing, yeah. Yes. So I picked lots of kids up and brought them to where they were supposed to be. I was basically fairing children. But I would I would like to add a fifth category of three year old soccer player, which is the one I fell into, which is grass picker. <laughs> um, the key role of the team, really. Uh, next uh, to flower yes. pickers, they might be the best. Grass pickers and dirt kickers were the big ones mm-hmm. in when I taught t-ball. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think my parents uh, got me off the softball team because all I was just like, did you see what I drew out there? Like, don't run through it, please. <laughs> this is a safe zone right here. My husband and I say when our daughter was um, fourth grade playing softball that we were, you know, you know you love your child if you sit through a girl's softball game because she was keeping track, she was drawing in the dirt and keeping track of um, outs with her f- in the dirt with her feet. Mm-hmm. So that's where her focus was. Yeah. I mean – that's how we need to find future artists. We'll put them all in softball. We'll that's see. funny because she was an artist. See? Yeah. You knew right then. You were like. Should have been. Should have been a cue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Go back to your early days of youth sports. So um, then did a lot of youth sports. Did a lot of special events. Um, I My first full-time job in recreation I got. I was about a year out of college. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was. Oh, God. It was almost 25 years ago so it looked recreation looked a little bit different now and the the agency that I started with doesn't even exist anymore so that's kind of crazy it was uh, Montgomery County Parks and Recreation up in Dayton the Dayton Mm -hmm. area and they had they have since um, uh, dissolved almost all of their parks and given them to the municipalities or the townships in which the parks were residing oh really yeah Um, but got exposed to Lots of softball teams, lots of youth sports. You know, you want to talk about a variety of personalities. Softball teams. Anybody who's played in a softball league can tell you that. You know, from the mm-hmm. church league to the, you know, the early morning third shift league. So, yeah, variety wow. of people. That's awesome. Do you have any uh, favorite parks in the area or nationally? I'm a big camper and hiker. Ah. Yeah, and. I dabble in climbing. I don't know if you can call it climbing. Uh, assisted climbing. Assisted. <laughs> I like that. Um, I was fortunate enough. I went out to the Rocky Mountains last year, so it's the first time oh, I've wow. been to the Rocky Mountain National Park, and I I'm loved so it. so jealous of you. It was so beautiful. Uh, my funny story about that, though, is I went with a friend, and we got off the plane. We were out there in the fall, and when we were riding the bus to the um, car rental, mm-hmm. somebody told us that they were expecting a – a freak snowstorm oh the God. earliest and largest that they had ever had out there we weren't prepared because when we had checked the weather the week before it was supposed mm-hmm. to be beautiful it was the fall that's why we picked to go out there we ended up getting snowed into the hotel and we had about 18 inches of snow in two days three days it was crazy also colorado snow i feel like it's just like a whole different beast was, than like ohio snow is yeah it was crazy snow and it was so much so that they couldn't they couldn't keep the we were in boulder they couldn't keep the streets plowed which from being in colorado that says something mm-hmm. so we bought mittens and hats at the at a local store and just spent a lot of time walking downtown boulder mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean boulder's i've never been to boulder but from what i see it is beautiful kind of big yeah the um, local parks, the, um, you know, I love our Coleraine parks. I, um, I think my, my hidden secret park is, is Shawnee Lookout. Ooh. There's hardly anybody, you know, you go and you are usually absolutely socially distanced at Shawnee. 
but it's got some beautiful trails that overlook the um, the Ohio River. You can see Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana from one of those points. It's got great history. Um, it's a fantastic archaeological site. Okay. So it's just got some. It's really a hidden gem. I will definitely check that out. Yeah. I've, I've recently got into trail running, especially oh, yeah. at Harbin Park is where I've been okay, going yeah. a lot. But yeah, this has got some great undulations because there are some hills at Shawnee. <sighs> I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> Cincinnati Hills are very different than Columbus Hills. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you worked for a while on the Hamilton County Commission on Women and Girls. Could you go into what that was like and what you guys did? Yeah, um, the commission was created by Commissioner Denise Driehaus. She was the first female um, president of the Hamilton County Commission, mm-hmm. and she was, I think, only the second female commissioner um, of the Hamilton County Commission. She established it in 2017, and she sat um, 30 people on it, 20 women and 10 girls. Mm-hmm. And that was very intentional because she wanted she wanted female voices of all ages and all backgrounds. It was a very diverse group of women. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to be one of the 10 selected for a two-year term. Oh, wow. So our first year, we were, we were finding our way. But at the end of our first year, um, and I say finding our way, meaning that there was no, there was no template for us to follow mm-hmm. and what to do with this commission. So we created a number of different subcommittees that worked on things that people in that group were passionate about. And when we made our final presentation to, at the end of our term in 2018, we made our final presentation to the um, Board of County Commissioners. We were fortunate enough that on the spot they adopted about, I think, three resolutions and policy oh changes, wow. um, mostly around pay equity uh, and not asking for salary history. That's a huge one. People don't realize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you tell me that your previous salary was, if I tell you my previous salary was $30,000, you might be inclined to pay me $33,000, although you would, the job is really worth forty, dollars and mm-hmm. you're just getting me for cheap. Um, and so some of the stuff that came out of that for me was, you know, learning about some of these things, learning about how asking for salary history just perpetuates um, the, the discrepancy in pay for men and women. Mm-hmm. How, um, oh, what was another one? Salary history... Um, representation on committees if you have you know let's say you have a commission we don't have a recreation commission here but let's say you have a recreation commission making Mm -hmm. sure your recreation commission is representative of the people you're serving and not just all of a certain sector of the population or all one neighborhood or all the loudest people because Mm -hmm. you want to make sure you're serving everybody and a lot of the commissions and boards in Hamilton County are not representative of the people you serve yeah especially some of the um um, some of the committees that serve lower income uh, women and children there's not a person of color or a woman or child on that committee so how do you know who you're serving if you're not if that person's voice isn't represented representation is so important and I think people are just starting this like real realization of what it means for representation and how important it is when we're developing these plans yeah I am a big so being on that commission, we did a lot of other work. We did a lot of work like in the housing sector. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our big initiatives last year was um, championing um, uh, the, the concepts of toxic masculinity and anti-bullying with Cincinnati Public Schools to put programs in place, use resources that are already out there to put wow. these programs in place to teach these kids when they're younger 
what some of the issues are around that, some of changing mm-hmm. some of the language that they use. And also a really big one was providing, it was, it's the concept of period poverty. Not a lot of people understand that. And it's mm-hmm. a, you know we talk about the pink tax and there are girls in schools right now who can't afford period products. So they don't go to school mm-hmm. or they reuse the same products over and over, which could which leads to more sickness and more health issues. And when they skip school because of this, it leads to absenteeism and poor grades and the cycle perpetuates. So um, uh, one of the teams made a pitch to Cincinnati Public Schools last year and they decided to uh, partner and fund free period products for um, kids in their schools. That's absolutely amazing. I think it's easy to, when people have the conversation about period poverty, to focus about like a distant area. But I mean, this is happening right in our own backyard. Oh, yeah. So our, our, um, some of the girls on our committee, and the girls were just so amazing and inspirational, and it just gave me so much hope for future. Because you hear, you know, kids are lazy, kids are, the, mm-hmm. this, is, this was a passionate group of female students who were just yes. so excited uh. to, you know, they picked up the mantle and they went with it. So they, they spoke to Representative Bridget Kelly, they spoke to Representative Catherine Ingram, um, they worked with Denise Driehaus to work on the, um, the pink tax that the state passed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they gave testimony for that to talk about how important it was because it's not just affecting girls, it's affecting women in the workplace too. Exactly. It, it affects a lot of people. So I mean, it affects men too. We need, I mean, uh, it's just something so I'm really passionate about. I volunteer a lot with Girls on the Run of Central okay, Ohio. Yeah. That is, I love Girls on the Run. I uh, cannot promote it enough, but... Yeah, um, Mary, who runs Girls on the Run, was part of the commission last year. Oh, and really? this year. They're two-year terms, but... Yeah, just you know, such a variety of experiences from these women and from these girls, and talking mm-hmm. about things, you know, poverty poverty simulators that St. Vincent runs, that you had no idea that this is how, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not just this is how why people can't get ahead, right? Like, this is why this indirectly impacts. Once people. you start the cycle, right, it's so much harder to stop. Right. You have to start it at, or stop it at the source. Evictions, the lack of education on some about about who can help you and how you can be helped. The resources, there's a lot of free resources and a lot of great organizations out there that people mm-hmm. have no clue can help them. Yes. Uh, this so is, this conversation is warming my heart. <laughs> this is something I'm so a, passionate a, about. And so a lot of the commission's work is not about creating new things. It's about leveraging what's out there in the community against the power of the commission because we are we are appointed by the Hamilton County commissioners Mm -hmm. to do great work, to connect with, um, you know, political subdivisions that, Hey, you know what, this is the, here's the best here's the best practices for how to seat, um, representative boards and commissions. Like Mm -hmm. this is the, and here's six other tools that you can use to help train people, you know, your first responders who are going into domestic violence, violence Mm -hmm. situations. You know, it's all, you know, it's been all over the news about the police departments now, right? Like just because of the George Floyd thing, but other things that you're realizing that the police department is responding to a lot more calls than um, than police issues. Mm-hmm. They, they're responding to social calls. They're responding to other social service, yeah. so, yes, yeah. type calls. So, you know, we worked a lot on one of the committees worked a lot on putting together plans around that and. Mm-hmm working with the sheriff's department and resources that were already out there instead of recreating the wheel, working with court magistrates um, for diversion programs and other things that people 
resources are out there you sometimes people just need to be made aware of them educated on them sometimes it's a funding issue Mm -hmm. Um, but just so much good information and uh, the girls were just phenomenal on that commission um for people listening what do you think the best way for an everyday citizen to get involved and to make a difference with some of these issues that you previously mentioned um volunteer Find out what's out there in your community and where you can make a difference. Uh, So it might be just starting somewhere and answering phones, like a phone bank. It might be um, doing some lobbying on behalf of an organization or putting together um, packs for kids, you know, so that they can Mm -hmm. eat. You will find, if you really start to look into it, and especially, you know, look even hyper-local, how one thing besets another thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to school, so you're getting, because you can't afford your period products, so you get worse grades, You then you get in trouble, and you get in a cycle, and then maybe you drop out. Or maybe then you don't get a great paying job after school, or you don't even finish school, and it just perpetuates. So mm-hmm. volunteer, find where you can make a difference. Don't just talk about it. Go out there and do some work on it. There are hundreds of agencies in Hamilton County doing great work around these issues. Um, and like I said, you will be surprised once you start looking. Mm-hmm. Hamilton County Commission on Girls, I mean, email me and I will, I will hook you up with somebody uh, on that commission, somebody, an organization doing the work who's looking for volunteers, mm-hmm. um, mentoring programs for young girls. Those yes. are amazing. I, I think Hamilton County is, I don't want to use the word fortunate, but there are so many amazing organizations just in this 50-mile radius filled with great people who are making an impact, who are educating others and also changing people's lives. And yeah. I just, uh, I'm going to selfishly plug a few Bethany house in downtown oh, yep. Cincinnati. Love I them. volunteered for them many times, greatest people who run it. And it is, I mean, life changing going down there. So yeah. Can we talk a little bit about Bethany house? Yes. So Bethany oh. house is a great example because that has, mothers and children who are in transition they you can go down there with a group of friends you volunteer to make a meal mm-hmm. you go down there you've get you can physically see what you're giving back at that point um we've gone down there a number of times so you can see the difference you're making mm-hmm. with the mothers the mothers have a, usually an a, a, uh, educational aspect while you're there at least while we were yeah there, that's so. how mine i i volunteered babysitting some of the yes. kids at, while the mothers were in different classes yep. and so that's what our group does. Uh, my son's school group goes, a group of his friends. We mm-hmm. go down there. We volunteer. We make food. You know, everything. People bond over food, right? But we help yes. serve, so we give the mothers a break. Um, we babysit while the mothers are doing educational programs. But their whole goal is to transition them into stable housing. So they work with the moms to get the education that they need, to get them the jobs that they need, to move them into housing that they can that is mm-hmm. sustainable so that their kids have a different chance, right? So to help make things better. And it is one of those things that is immediate gratification. Might be a little bit out of your comfort zone, but go with friends, right? Mm -hmm. Go with 10 friends and you all make different parts of a taco meal and... Exactly. The bonding that occurs, I was the service chair for my sorority for two years and I like the the saying, sisterhood through service, that that. you gain bonds through helping out and through volunteering. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I I mean, if you need another 
on top of the other 100 reasons to go <laughs> volunteer somewhere. But Yeah, I think that's a huge one. And there are a number of different agencies you can do that with. Matthew 25 Ministries, um, Ronald McDonald House. And, the, you know, those aren't specifically women and girls, but a lot of those are helping struggling families. Mm-hmm. I've got a whole list. So if anybody, because mm. we compiled a list on behalf of the commission. So yeah. if anybody wants to be hooked up with something, I will share the list with you of resources and places that um, that provide outreach. Yeah. Now more than ever, too. I mean, coronavirus oh, yeah. is disproportionately hurting some people, and it's important to reach out. Absolutely. Sense of community yes. through service. <laughs> we'll bring, bring that loop back around. We'll call it back. I like that. No, for sure. Uh, why don't we end on a more, a lighter note? Okay. We'll bring it back up. We're almost at the end. Uh, what is your favorite park activity? Oh, my favorite park activity. I'd say fishing, but I'm terrible at fishing. I love just hiking. Mm-hmm. I love just walking through the woods and, you know, just checking out nature. Uh, uh, it's amazing when you stop and t- to take a look at things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like... Nature, uh, nature trails and primitive trails more than I like paved trails. I agree. Are you a silent hiker or do you like music when you hike? Uh, silent hiker. Okay. I think that's a great division between hikers. That is a, that is a very good point. Yes. Mm-hmm. So silent hiking. Uh, I love hiking by myself. If my family's with me, I like to be spread out a little bit because I just like to stop and watch the animals and mm-hmm. just look at the different types of plants. So. Yeah. I mean, it's your time to take that mental break and just... I miss right? hiking yes. and traveling. To, well, I can still hike, but I miss traveling to hike and going to national parks so much. Oh, yeah. It just like I said, when I was out in uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, uh, you know, stuff that you see that you take for granted, you know, people probably take for granted here, but you go out there and you see a moose just walking, through, walking in front of you. You see the boulders that wash down, but you hear the story about how it affected the community and you get the history part mm-hmm. with it too. It's just, it's amazing that mother nature has that much power and it, we all take her for granted. The diversity in the landscapes of the United yes. States, insane. Yeah. You can go 200 miles away. You're in a completely different environment. Yeah, where I grew up is 100 miles north of here, and it looks completely different than here. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's, yeah, cool. uh, just being nature hiking and being in nature is, that's my jam. I, I cannot agree more. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sitting down and being interviewed. Do you have sure. anything, last things to say before we wrap it up? Enjoy your parks, practice social distancing, be safe, and just, you know, know that your public services departments, roads, parks, recreation facilities, we are all working very hard for you to make make life better for Colerain Township residents. And, mm-hmm. and, make it as safe as possible to do yep. so. Absolutely. Hey Colerain, you just heard my interview with Director of Public Services, Jackie O'Connell. To hear more interviews like it, go to our Spotify page or Apple Podcast page. Thank you and be safe out there. See you next week.